is up, Bitcoiners? It's your boy, CK, and I just sat down with Bitcoin OG Bobby Lee. Bobby is the brother of Litecoin founder Charlie Lee, and uh, Bobby is... You know, he's been in the industry for 10 years now, and he just wrote this book, The Promise of Bitcoin. It's really an intro to Bitcoin. It's mostly focused for non-technical folks who are interested in Bitcoin. Why is Bitcoin important? Predictions for Bitcoin into the future, myths around Bitcoin. Uh, it's going to be available in audiobook. It's going to be, it is available in hardback book and uh, and Kindle um, and again, Bobby has a deep, deep, long history. This was a really fun interview. We talked about everything from Bitcoin's evolution, how people should be thinking about Bitcoin and what is the promise of Bitcoin? Why is Bitcoin good? Um, before we get into this podcast, though, I want to tell you about our sponsors, the Bitcoin 2021 conference. Uh, as you know, I'm going to be there. Bobby and his team are going to be there as well. They're going to be giving away books at the conference, they have a booth for Ballet Wallet. Um, and y'all, this event is going to be absolutely off the chains. We just announced that Diplo is going to be a performer over at our Whale Night event for the whales over there. So if you are a whale listening to this, go to the smashing, smashing, most amazing MVP party and MVP institutional day at Bitcoin 2021, our Whale Day and Whale Night. You need to get the whale pass for that. That's our full VIP. Diplo is performing tonight or that night for uh, for the event. And uh, day one and two of the normal GA conference kicks off right after whale night. Uh, so that's going to be Friday and Saturday, June 4th and 5th. And man, every single person in the Bitcoin space is going to be there. We have hundreds of exhibitors. We have thousands of Bitcoiners there, and we have hundreds of speakers. If you want to get a job in the Bitcoin space, no better place to be. Every single company in this space is going to be exhibiting. If you want to network in the Bitcoin space, no better place to be. If you want to party with plebs, no better place. There are literally 50, 60, 70 satellite side events going on. I mean, even if you're not even into Bitcoin, you just want a great time in Miami, this is the weekend. Floyd Mayweather is fighting in Miami on Sunday because we're here. He's going to be at the conference. Like, come on. It is going to be absolutely off the chain. So this is next level Bitcoin. Like the world is ready for Bitcoin. And this is the conference that's capturing all of that energy. I think you guys are going to love this podcast. I think you guys are going to love Miami and you're going to love meeting Bobby in Miami. And if you want to get to Miami on the cheap, the cheapest you possibly can, you need to pay with Bitcoin. We actually have a surcharge for fiat. If you pay us in fiat, it costs you more. But if you pay us in Bitcoin, you save at least $400. And our partner MoonPay allows you to use your credit card, use Apple Pay, use Google Pay, use Samsung Pay, use a debit card and pay us in Bitcoin. You get the best of both worlds with Apple Pay. Apple Pay is a Bitcoin technology provider that builds payment infrastructure for Bitcoin and crypto. And the amazing thing is they have these widgets, they have these integrations that plugs right into your website, plugs right into your mobile wallet, and it makes it so you can just interact with Bitcoin with fiat you know, easily and quickly there, you don't need a whole exchange account. So there's a MoonPay widget on the b.tc forward slash conference website. You use that widget to pay with Apple Pay, send a Bitcoin transaction to our invoice um, when you're checking out. And then there you go. You get to use Fiat, 
pay with Bitcoin, save a bunch of money on your Bitcoin 2021 tickets. But the cool thing, again, is if you have a mobile app, odds are they're integrated with MoonPay. They integrated into over 300 different wallets. And why that is amazing is that, hey, you're on your wallet, use Apple to pay to buy some sats, and then MoonPay sends you sats directly to your non-custodial wallet. You never have to deal with Cash App. You never have to deal with Coinbase. You have to deal have to deal with a custodian. You can just show your mom, hey, mom, this is how you buy Bitcoin. Buy 50 bucks a week. She never has to deal with a custodian, immediately non-custodial. Uh, I think it's really cool. I love their technology. I'm so happy that they're a sponsor of Bitcoin 2021 of, and of this podcast. Uh, and like I said, go meet Bobby in Miami. Go meet the MoonPay team in Miami. Go meet the Bitcoin Magazine team in Miami. We all going to be in Miami. It's going to be a great time. All right, that's enough for me. Let's get into this podcast with Bitcoin OG Bobby Lee. Bitcoiners, welcome back to another episode of the Bitcoin Magazine podcast. I am sitting across the screen from Bobby Lee, who just released his amazing new book, The Promise of Bitcoin. For those of you who are unfamiliar with Bobby Lee, first of all, get out from under a rock. This man is one of the OGs in the space. He is the co-founder of BTCC, one of the original Bitcoin exchanges and the first one in China. He now is the CEO and founder of Bally Wallet. And of course, he just released this fantastic book, The Promise of Bitcoin. Bobby, welcome to the Bitcoin Magazine podcast. Hi, CK. Thank you for having me. Very excited to talk about my book, uh, Promise of Bitcoin, I have right here. <laughs> so I want to really focus in on the book, but I think you know you are one of the probably best people to actually write about um, kind of the promise of Bitcoin and Bitcoin's evolution, just because you, know, you your brother, um, you have been in this space almost since the absolute beginning. I guess, uh, can we just kick this off a little bit with like your entrance into Bitcoin and then maybe we can transition into like how your experiences have flowed into you writing this book? Sure, so uh, this is actually the 10 year anniversary of me uh, learning about Bitcoin. So I remember it was, uh, I don't remember the exact day, but it was a spring day, early 2011. So exactly 10 years ago. My brother and I were having a phone call, a long distance phone call, and uh, he told me about Bitcoin. He'd learned about Bitcoin of you know a few weeks or months before I did. So he was telling me about Bitcoin, you know, digital currency. Now I've I've worked with virtual currencies and that kind of stuff before in my days at Yahoo. But what's intriguing about Bitcoin was you know the concept that it's actually not a centralized system, and that was a big deal, right? Because every point system, every virtual currency was either offered or run by a company. And for there to be a sort of peer, peer-to-peer decentralized system, that was unheard of. And the question is, can that system work? Can that system have value? Would the value fluctuate? Would it go up? You know, that kind of stuff. So we had a conversation in early 2011. And that's when I started mining. I set up my own sort of uh, computer rig at home. I was just getting a motherboard, power supplies, and plugging in graphics cards, you know, booting into Linux, uh, running the 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 C it was called uh, it was a CGM miner basically it was a special modified version of the Bitcoin program that ran on graphics card took advantage of the processors on the graphics card so that was 2011 it was a hobby it was just mining Bitcoin in, in the in the room of my apartment in Shanghai and uh, the rest is history right so I was basically stayed as a hobbyist for for a year and a half before committing to Bitcoin full time. Awesome. Well, I mean, I feel like in 2011, most people were hobbyists. They 
I, I don't know. Can you explain like getting into mining? Like how serious was it? Um, when did it kind of turn into like, hey, this could be a business. This could be the new financial yeah, system. Yeah, actually, so I don't think we're thinking of the new financial system, but it was it, it was intriguing enough that uh, that summer, I distinctly recall telling one of my close friends uh, that if I ever do start a company, at the time it was I was working for a large company, working for Walmart. So I was a career sort of uh, tech executive, okay? So I was working for companies, you know, starting a company is, is a different ballgame, you know, being an entrepreneur is a different ballgame. But I did tell myself, if I ever became an entrepreneur, started a company, I would do it in Bitcoin, because it was intriguing enough to do that. And I made that verbal sort of uh, statement out there in the summer of 2011. And sure enough, um, a year and a half later, I had the opportunity to do something and uh to, to start my own company. And that's when I committed to, to doing uh, BTC China, launching a Bitcoin company. And um, you're right, in, the, in 2011, it was all hobbyists, a lot of people mining. Uh, what I'm saying, relatively speaking, is in, in the community, right? So if you're, you're, if you're in Bitcoin, you're, you're essentially you're mining. Uh, whereas today, if you're into crypto, you're not necessarily mining. Whereas back then, if you're into crypto, you had to be mining because uh, you know MT Gox had, had just started uh, and uh, People weren't trading. Trading wasn't the big deal. Whereas today, trading crypto is the big deal. So back in 2011, it was about mining. It was about um, you know sending transactions. You know that was basically a year after the Bitcoin Pizza Day, right? So Bitcoin Pizza Day was in May 22nd of 2010. So we're about you know we're, we're at exactly the uh, 11 year anniversary of that. So that was when uh, you know Laszlo famously paid. Was it 10,000 Bitcoins for two pizzas? So if you look at the price back in 2011, it was already past a few dollars. So we were looking at it like, wait a minute, this thing has gone way crazy in terms of price. It's gone from pennies to dollars, right? So it's like a hundredfold increase in barely a year. Anyways, so that was uh, that's why you know what, what I tell people is if you want to invest in Bitcoin, you have to look forward to the future appreciation potential of Bitcoin, but don't look at the past. Because it's such so volatile, it's so crazy. If you look at the past, it feels like you're always overpaying for it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I can say that as someone who uh, stacked at at five thousand, stacked at three thousand, uh, and now stacking <laughs> at fifty six thousand, you always have to like remind yourself what's the end goal. Because uh, while fifty six gave me may feel expensive, uh, the long run, the promise of Bitcoin, uh, it it should be quite cheap, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I have, uh, I myself, you know, not not giving financial or investment advice, I myself uh, have a very optimistic perspective on where Bitcoin can get. Today, Bitcoin is around, what is it, 1 trillion in market value globally. Yeah, it's and, battling uh, 1 trillion. It's battling 1 trillion. Sometimes it goes above, sometimes it goes below. But it's, it's a huge accomplishment. You know, back then, I remember uh you know 2011 it was it was just in the tens of millions or maybe a hundred billion i forgot exactly but it was certainly not even a billion yet crossing a billion was a big deal and now it's crossed a trillion and where does it go to well so lately you know in the us uh this this last year year and a half with covid and global economy there's been a lot of money printing and i think it's gonna it's it's real we're really seeing inflation now we, we've been talking about inflation for 10 years, for 20 years in my life. 
but now I think we really are seeing it now. Like, like uh, I recently watched uh, Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway annual shareholders meeting. We can talk about that too. Uh, they talk about Bitcoin, <laughs> um, and uh, they they admit very candidly that they see price increases. And I see real estate price increases here in Las Vegas. I see it in the restaurants. I see it in the supermarkets. So it's really coming. I mean, not, I don't know if it's going to get to as crazy as the double digit inflation rates of the seventies and eighties, but certainly uh, these are real effects when you print too much money. And Bitcoin is the counter to all of that. So I'm I'm just I'm just very happy for myself that. I've made the decision to go full on and, uh, you know, owning Bitcoin as an asset class. Yeah. So um, let's let's talk about like, you know, writing this book. You know, why yeah. did you feel the urge to write the book? Obviously, like I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, very few people have seen Bitcoin's evolution, you know, from a 10 year uh, with, with, you know, seeing, you know, 10 years of that. So obviously you're very qualified to kind of talk about Bitcoin. Um, I guess, can you talk about, you know, why write the book and, you know, what's the focus? Sure. So I, um, I set off on this project uh, in 2018. So after I sold my company, I had, remember I had ran uh, BTC China, BTCC from 2013 onwards. And I sold it five years later, you know, exactly three years ago. Uh, so I took 2018 off. Did a lot of speaking, public speaking at uh, conferences and so on. And essentially, I, I decided that I want to spend time to write a book and educate people, basically common people, regular people, non-techie, non-crypto people about Bitcoin. So at the time, I didn't have the title in mind yet. But the idea was to really write a book about Bitcoin and explain it to people from my perspective, from my, at that time, it was what, a seven-year journey. Uh, what was the big deal about Bitcoin? Why is it important to society? Uh, and I, the idea was to to really write the book from a non-technical perspective. So there's no there's no software, you know, encryption, blah blah blah, algorithms. It's all about the fundamental concept of Bitcoin. Why is it valuable? Uh, also to, to dispel a lot of myths and also to explain the use cases. Right, people. People think Bitcoin can, is only useful if you, can, if you can buy something with it at the at the coffee shop or at a restaurant. So it turns out that that's not the case. I think that's one of the big myths that Bitcoin is only useful if you can use it to pay for something. Because that, that's normally where you think of currency. Currency is useful to pay for something. So I try to talk about uh, Bitcoin from the lens of value as money. So that's why I call the subtitle is called the future of money. And money, you know, money is much broader than just paying for something. The fact that <clears throat> the fact that you have money in your pocket is really proof of the fact that you've worked for that money, right? The money you have is basically what you earn from your work. Uh, so, in some sense, you know, "quote unquote" proof of work, right? That this is the the, the joke for for us in the industry, proof of work. But it is money is proof of work. Money is what we earn from our past work. And why do we have the money? It's because we actually chose to not spend that "quote unquote" money on the day we, we did the work. So if, if we all spend, basically if we spend everything we earn on the day we earn it, then we'd have no money in the bank account. We have no money in our pockets, right? So every day you're living from mouth to mouth, you're basically living and surviving off of your own work where you're not savings for the saving for the future. So money is not, is not only proof of work, it's also a, a vehicle uh, of transporting value through time. 
Now, not to get all sci-fi here, but the idea that if I have money with me, it means that I've chosen and made a conscious decision as a human to capture the value. It's like a vessel for value where I, I worked hard yesterday or maybe last year or maybe 10 years ago at a summer job. That labor, I'm not cashing in. I want to save it for the future to buy something in the future. So that's why preserving the value for the vessel to not lose its value, right? It's very important. You want you want to be able to do that. And um, essentially, that's what uh, I think Bitcoin is really good at. Yeah. Bobby, could you argue that and, and what you're talking about, a lot of Bitcoiners like to call is like uh, their time preference, right? It, are time you pre- low yeah, time yeah. preference or high time preference? High time preference means you need it now, right? Low time preference means you can wait, you can accumulate, and you can okay. let things kind of play out, right? Um, I mean, just on the idea of time preference and saving, could you argue from an anthropological perspective that saving hoarding, accumulating capital, like that's what differentiates humans from any other species that's, you know, roaming around the planet is that, you know, that ability, obviously there's much more, but, um, you know, that's key, right. Is kind of accumulating, uh, resources. Yeah. So, so you're right. Humans are, you know, Sumerians are are at the top of the food chain, right. You know, we have very evolved, uh, what do you call it? I, yeah. Anyways, we, we know humans are enlightened with uh with with money and all that. But but some other animals exhibit this behavior. I don't know if it's squirrels or chipmunks. They they sort of store away acorns, right? That's the that's the thing we saw in the cartoons as a kid. So I, the idea that even even uh, many many animals would would uh, would do the work and store the food away for a long winter. So it's not just human behavior, but they do it differently, obviously. And we we use money for that. So. Um, yeah, what was your question about? Sorry, I must have got lost in my own answer. No, no, that wasn't really a question. Just kind of building off of it, but um, in terms of okay, the promise of Bitcoin. So you you dispelled myths. You talked about use cases. You yeah. you discussed about like what is money to begin with, and I really do feel like Bitcoin is pushing the conversation of what money is. Exactly. Do you want to like you like let's just talk about that like what does it mean to society for the world to get mass kind of educated right um in what money is yeah exactly so i for, for i'm very fortunate you know i got into bitcoin relatively early and not only has it given me some financial freedom and some financial reward by investing and buying bitcoin early on uh the other thing is I've I've had the fortune to learn more about money, more about econ- economy, more about global politics and all that stuff. So for me, it's been a, it's been an amazing journey. That's why for me, writing this book is is my way of sharing back with the community. I hope I hope to um, you know I hope to sell a lot of copies. Uh, I hope more people will read this. And I'm talking. Talk- obviously, the crypto people already are into it. So I, this book is really targeted for the the mass market, the mass consumer market, the regular person, the people who have heard about Bitcoin, you know, from from the media, they they sort of confuse. They might think it's bad. They might think you know all these concerns. I have all these concerns. So so it's my way of, is sort of have a material because a lot of new people I meet, I tell them about Bitcoin. I, I preach about it. I I I'm very I'm very passionate about it. I ask them they should consider putting some money in Bitcoin, and they always ask me. So where can I learn more about it? So, you know, in the in old days, you know, there were just a few articles. I, I would carry the URLs and send it to them, like, oh, go read these articles online. But these days I've gotten too busy. I haven't had time to curate all the content that's on the internet about Bitcoin. So for me, this book is like the go-to book. Um, so 
So it's, it's also to help me in the future when I meet people about Bitcoin. Like, oh, yeah, you want to learn more about it? Why don't you start by reading my book? Uh, it's called The Promise of Bitcoin. Yeah. So so I think, you know, we we think um, the industry, the world today has just, you know, maybe 50 to 100 million people who own Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. And, uh, you know, that's that's barely 1% of the whole world. So I really want to take that to 50%, 80%, 90%. So I think within 5, 10, 20 years, we're going to see 80, 90% globally to have ownership in Bitcoin. It really is going to take that long. It's really going to take you know, 10, 15, 20 years, just like many technologies. But uh, but we're in it for a long haul. So I'm very excited about the future of cryptocurrency. So I want to talk a little bit about like the intended audience, right? As I'm a Bitcoin educator, I run Bitcoin Magazine. I do the Bitcoin Magazine podcast. Um, I'm constantly thinking about like, what does it look like for Bitcoin to take over the world? What does hyper Bitcoinization look like, right? Yeah. So when, but there's this challenge, right? Is that like Bitcoin is extremely counterintuitive to people who are living in fiat world. It is everything about it breaks your assumption, like everything about it, like you you really have to grind with Bitcoin. You really have to open your mind and, and kind of uh, allow yourself to kind of question things. Can you kind of talk about like the audience that you're you're trying to reach out to and maybe some of the things in the book that you kind of did to make Bitcoin a little bit more intuitive? Yeah, it's really, it's really, uh, the audience is really for everyday people. So it, the, the book is for you if you're new to crypto, if you've recently learned about it. It's especially for you if you've never, if you don't hold any crypto. So if you haven't invested, I have a whole chapter that talks about, uh, you know, that coaches people that, you know, this is a, this is a very interesting investment. I recommend it for people to look into. Um, I, I, uh, my last chapter 13 is about my 15 predictions for the industry. So that, that's, in, that's uh, interesting to some people. I talk about regulation. I talk about uh, my my uh, recommendation for a crypto czar, the notion that countries should. The, the, so one thing about regulation, I you know I've been dealing with regulation for for many of the the past ten years. It turns out why is Bitcoin so hard to be regulated? It's because many countries have existing regulatory bodies, whether it's for stocks and equities, whether it's for housing, whether it's for new technology, for commodities and futures. Uh, regulation like Department for Taxation and all that stuff. It turns out Bitcoin is actually, even though it, we know that it's an asset class now, we do know that, but it's so different from any existing asset class. It's it's kind of like money, but not money. It's kind of like an equity, but not really. It's kind of, you know, it, it, it it's 24-7 trading. It's decentralized and all that stuff. So CFTC, so SEC, exactly. Sandra, the, who, whose job yeah, is it? Yeah, exactly. In the US, as you mentioned, all these different, agencies right there's the irs there's the uh anyways so fincen you know cftc sec all that and it's you know not just in the us in china and europe they have their they have the regulatory bodies so what i'm saying is maybe there should be a brand new regulatory body that deals with digital currencies everything from digital currencies uh decentralized digital currencies like bitcoin to stable coins, to tokens, and all that. Maybe there should be a new body that looks into it because otherwise it's going to be a lot of turf fighting and a lot of mis miscategorization, right? So anyway, so that's one of the chapters in the book as well. I talk about the three uh, horsemen of uh, of the in, of Bitcoin of the industry for crypto. So meaning exchanges, 
uh, mining and wallets. So these are the three cornerstone pieces of the uh, of, of Bitcoin and the cryptocurrency. So so it's again it's it's written in a very very uh, easy to read sort of non technical way. So I hope that uh, people can learn something. Uh, at least learn to see my perspective of, of how I see Bitcoin. Yeah. So I'm interested in some of your other predictions, right? Okay. Cryptocurrencies are, I mean, I just think that in general, as Bitcoin becomes more important, countries, uh, companies are going to be focusing on it more and will, you know, hire to deal yeah. with that. So it makes a lot of sense, but I want to hear what your other predictions are. So um, let me see. I, I, there's 15 different predictions. The first you the don't have to spill one. them all on the podcast. Guys, go get the book, but uh, uh, g- give us a couple of sneak peeks. So, uh, yeah, some, well, let's, let's talk about the first one. The first one, yeah, the first, I think the first one is basically Warren Buffett will come around or at least someone will. So the idea that today there's a lot of people out there who are anti-Bitcoin, okay? So, so most, more, more recently, you know, very notably Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger, you know Berkshire Hathaway, uh, they were asked a question about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, and they really, they really dismissed it. Um, and they've been doing that for the last few years, right? So every year they go on shareholders, people ask about Bitcoin, and they just dismiss it. And it's not, it's not surprising because my my the way I explain it is success. There are many successful people in the world today. They they built their success on a lot of presumptions and a lot of sort of understanding of the world, and they're right. Right. They, they have huge amount of experience, they have decades and decades of experience in equities. OK, this is Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger. But Bitcoin isn't an equity. Bitcoin isn't a stock. Bitcoin isn't a company. You know, unfortunately, you know, uh, you know, the Warren Buffetts and the, many of the world, they, they don't have experience dealing with peer to peer technologies. They don't have experience understanding software decentralized. The notion that Bitcoin cannot be shut down because it's a peer to peer decentralized effort. So that's the value of Bitcoin. They don't understand. They may not understand the the value of being able to send money unilaterally to a friend or someone else with no third party involved uh, involvement. The idea that I can send any amount of money up to the amount of money I have in Bitcoin to anyone I want in the world at any day, any time, right? Uh, with low fees, and that, that's very powerful. And that and you do that without proving identity, but you only have to show and process the private key, right? It's a, it's, I mean, it's a very technical thing to process a private key, sign a transaction. But the notion, I mean, probably, you know, I'm, I'm, I can bet you that Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger doesn't understand that. And that's why they dismiss it. So that's fine. It may take another few years. But my point is, um, someone smart will, right? Recently, Elon Musk came on board, right? So when I started writing the book, uh, Elon Musk hasn't really come on board yet at the time. So that's why I said my first prediction is you know, someone of the caliber of Warren Buffett or someone else will come on board eventually. So whether it's Bill Gates, you know, uh, Elon Musk, which who had who has come on board, right? So more, I think, I think through time, these people will will sort of these smart people will realize that wait a minute, you know, maybe maybe this is right. Maybe there is something to Bitcoin, and uh, there's some it's worth investing. You know, I I for example have invested in Apple stock for many years, for almost two decades. Okay, and this is way before Warren Buffett and Berkshire Hathaway was interested in Apple stock. Today, they've come around. Today, they're the largest, they're the single largest shareholder of Apple stock, I think. So, so that just goes to prove that Warren Buffett and them 
they will come around. Uh, it may take some time. It may take five years, 10 years, but they will come around. Yeah. So I'm curious when you made that prediction, because obviously in 2020, 2021, lots of high profile people are coming around. Uh, I yes. remember just the other, I mean, pretty much every single day on Fast Money, you can see high pro- profile person talking about Bitcoin. Uh, when did you make that actual prediction? Because I know you started the book back in 2018 and it was deep in the bear market at that point. Things were oh, yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. gruesome. <laughs> yeah, I forgot, I forgot which day exactly I started writing that chapter. Uh, we, I, you know, we had to give some, the editors suggest I reorder some of the chapters, but that chapter uh, on my predictions became the last chapter of the book. So, uh, but it was, it was one of my first predictions is that because there's so many haters, so many people who are against it. And I, 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 I don't feel threatened. I don't feel like, you know, I, I, th- I think it's fine. It's, 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 you know, it's, uh, it's controversial. You know, when I first learned about Bitcoin in 2011, I wasn't sure if I was on board and I didn't commit any capital to it. I just started mining it. It was just a hobbyist, said, you know, setting up, throwing a few hundred dollars, getting a computer, just see see what happens. It wasn't until, again, I, I've been learning about Bitcoin all through my 10-year history. I can tell you very honestly, even through writing the book, I'm learning more and more about Bitcoin. So for me, it's a journey. So I expect even now that now the book is published, I'm so happy to uh, get that out of the way. Um, it's gonna, it's gonna take. I'm, I'm gonna continue to learn about Bitcoin and, and the, the, the sort of ecosystem, cryptocurrency, uh, in the coming years and decades. I expect that completely. And, and one other prediction is, um, uh, so I did predict. Well, I don't know if I, yeah. Anyways, so there's a prediction that uh, companies will now get involved, right? So it, if you look at over the last five years, 10 years, it was first individuals, hobbyists like myself and you and so on, getting involved, investing in Bitcoin. And then it became like funds, like whether it's hedge funds, you know, family offices. We saw that trend over the last few years. And this year, we're seeing a real trend of companies getting involved. So the most high profile one is indeed Tesla. I think SpaceX may also have some Bitcoins on their balance sheet, but many companies are getting, getting involved. Um now the Microsoft, the Apple, they're not going to get involved so soon. They're they're so very traditional and so on. Uh, but you'll see more and more companies get involved in the next year or so. And then what I predict is going to happen is, in the next, by the next bull market cycle, maybe not this one, the one we're in is 2021. There's going to be another bull market cycle in three four years. In that cycle, I think countries will get involved. I think that's when countries um, will start buying Bitcoin as sort of their their national reserve asset. Much like countries hold foreign currencies and gold, so they might hold Bitcoin. This is, that's going to be a lot of fun. That's what's going to propel Bitcoin to over a million dollars. Wow. Well, million dollar Bitcoin is uh, that's sat dollar parity uh, just for for you out there. Yes. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sat penny. Yeah. No, sat, 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 sat Satoshi. Penny. Wow, I did that. Yeah, yeah. Satoshi. Sorry, Satoshi. So yeah, hundred million dollar Bitcoin is is sat dollar parity. So yeah. million dollar Bitcoin is sat cent parity. Uh, so, I mean, that, that sounds quite exciting to me. Um, but I guess Bobby, I'm kind of curious, right. Um, talking about Bitcoin predictions, talking about countries buying in the next cycle. So, uh, I don't know if you talk about the having in the book, but there's these Bitcoin cycles. Um, yeah. I pers- my personal prediction is this is Bitcoin's decade. Like, I think that by the end of this decade in 2030, on the other end of that is, the other end of the S curve. That's my oh, yeah, personal yeah. prediction. 
So yes. it's like, you know, at the beginning, you said 20, 30 years before full, you know, kind of diffusion. Obviously, we're not talking about that, but we're just talking about mass adoption. Like, what do you think in this decade? What does this decade hold? This decade is going to be amazing. This decade for Bitcoin is amazing. Bitcoin was born in 2009. So it, the, the teens, the 2010s was uh, Bitcoin sort of, you know, becoming, growing up a little bit, right? So if you technically, Bitcoin is only 12 and a half years old. So in English terms, Bitcoin is not even a teenager yet. It's just a young, you know, a young child, right? It's just barely 12 years old, you know, in, in sort of junior high school, right? So, and it's already achieved $1 trillion. It's, it's a quite amazing feat. Um, I, think, I think Bitcoin will rival the largest of asset classes in the world. So what are the largest asset class categories? We're talking about real estate. I mean, globally, real estate, I think there are studies that says it's like $200 trillion, meaning every house, every building, every apartment, every condominium, every piece of land, you add it all up and you use normalize it with US dollars, it's about $200 trillion. Uh, same with equities market, meaning globally, all the stocks, every single stock in every stock market in every country, you add it all up, maybe it's $200 trillion, okay, a plus or minus. So, uh, and then you look at precious metals. So all the gold, all the silver, all the precious metal, all the commodities, you know, add that up, is a $200 trillion. Um, and you look at uh, derivatives. I mean, we didn't want to go there, but there's like bonds and corporate bonds and stuff like that. So all the asset classes, in the multi-hundred trillion dollars. So, and that's, by the way, that's today's money. And, and that, those numbers can go up to maybe a quadrillion, uh, a quadrillion dollars, meaning $1,000 trillion. Maybe we'll go up to that level in a few years, okay, with inflation and money printing. So back to Bitcoin. I think Bitcoin will rival the largest of asset classes. So that's why I think at the high end, Bitcoin can eventually get to that level. Um, it's going to take a lot of years. It's going to take many, many years. And by the time Bitcoin turns 18, by the time Bitcoin turns 21, it'll be very, very exciting. So Bitcoin is 12 years old today. So at the end of this decade, Bitcoin will turn 21 years old, uh, year 2030. Right. So that's going to be amazing. I can't wait. Yeah. I mean, when you think of Bitcoin in terms of like your personal life and your ability to become like you know productive and developed like it's just so early but yet bitcoin is already so superior to everything else around it right like that's the amazing thing is like bitcoin's already the best um so yeah. and then you think at like hey i was probably not at my best till i was like close to 30 Really, like that was like what by you know when I was like, oh man, I'm killing it across the board. So like that's a long ways away and and uh, very bullish. Yeah, and and you and you and I, CK, you and I know that Bitcoin is is really the best because we've been involved for so many years. We really dived in, and for many people, whether it's a bankers, whether it's investors who are in who are important and doing a lot of good things in society, but they just don't study Bitcoin the way you and I understand it. So, so that's why it's going to take some more time. And it's so fascinating that, uh, you know, it's kind of like you and I are an insiders. We know a secret that Bitcoin is the best. We know the secret. We fundamentally feel that we know it. We put our money where our mouth is. And, um, and we're about to let the secret out. So that's why, you know, writing the book is sort of to spread that secret, to let, let the regular person, you know, be aware. And in fact, it's so, it's, it's so fanciful. The secret that Bitcoin is the best is so fanciful and so so surprising, many people refuse to believe it, and that's one of the things we have to fight fight against. It's, there's going to be a lot of disinformation. There's going to be a lot of disbelief. 
um, you know, I, I, uh, anyways, I, yeah, I guess I'll share a personal story. So, uh, last summer, you know, I was in Las Vegas and I met a neighbor, you know, trying to convince her, uh, to, to buy Bitcoin and, um, and Bitcoin was like, you know, $9,000, $10,000 floating around right there. I was like, you should buy Bitcoin, you know, for your children, for your grandchildren, you know, however many grandchildren you have, you should, you know, use some of your savings and buy Bitcoin for each of them. Right. And, and I was, I was making that recommendation from the, from the bottom of my heart. Um, you know, sadly, you know, they didn't follow that advice. And I, I did tell them, you know, Bitcoin's going to appreciate five times, six times in the next 12 months. Uh, and they didn't believe me. They didn't take action. But it's a little bit too bad because today that's exactly what happens. So Bitcoin has gone up five times, six times just in a matter of eight months. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's tricky, right? Should I, ask, should I tell them to buy it now? You know, it's like. <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yes. I just look at the mayor multiple, yeah. the current price divided by the 200 day moving average. That's, okay. It's like 1.4. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. you know, hey, you know, you, you get a, a slap on the wrist for holding dollars, but it's not too late by any means. It's we know that there's a yeah, lot more exactly. bull market. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, one of my friends, his name is Gigi. He says, as long as there's a dollar price for Bitcoin, it's still cheap. You should, you should keep hoarding. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, because, so, yeah, here's a secret. Like, speaking of that, let me let me share a perspective uh, for some of the new, new newbies listening to the podcast. People who are not familiar with it. So, big the, the the secret thing about Bitcoin. The, the funny thing is, we're measuring Bitcoin price in fiat currency. Like, what's a dollar price for Bitcoin, right? Um, we don't measure we don't measure in satoshis, right? If we if we measure satoshi price in Bitcoin, then it's always fixed. Uh, so it's very stable, right? Um, but if we measure the Bitcoin price in dollars, what's interesting is the more dollars there are in the system, the more value there is in the world. So the more inflation, if you will. So so as long as they print more and more dollars, if, if the world continues to print more fiat money, the Federal Reserve you know, issuing more dollars, then the Bitcoin price will keep going up. That's the secret. That's the secret. That's why that's why real estate prices go up. That's why Bitcoin prices go up. So if they, the more they print, so in, in other words, that's why I tell people the governments can only ensure Bitcoin prices go up because they can print more money. The only way to stop and reverse the trend is for governments to stop printing money, central banks to stop printing money and to destroy money itself. Otherwise, prices of crypto will keep going up. Yeah. I feel like that is the secret that all Bitcoiners know now is that you don't want fiat, you want assets. And like exactly. that was not intuitive to me until I discovered Bitcoin. And I can tell you that that discovery has increased my wealth significantly, significantly. Yes. And, and like, I would be poor if I was only using fiat in the banking system right now. Yeah, I would be poor, exactly. even if I had made the same exact amount of money. Exactly. That's exactly it. Yeah. I look back to um, I I, I uh, charge speaking fees back in 2018 when I was speaking around the world, and many of the uh, of the events actually paid me in Bitcoin, and I was you know I've, you know that was awesome. And looking back, I still have those stats. Uh, I still have those stats still stacking them, and uh, very yeah, it's, it's just amazing. So 
I want to talk about people getting paid in Bitcoin, but before that, I want to talk about some of these myths. So you brought up that there's good, there's a lot of haters, there's a lot of like you know fud, if you will, fear, uncertainty, and doubt that is constantly yes. being spilled. Now, I'll tell you the the average person's general starting position is negative and neutral at best. It's generally not positive at best. So I guess can you talk about how, at least in the book, you kind of address myth like you know dispelled negative myths yeah so so you're asking about what what, why that is or who was what was the question about let's talk about why that is i'm sorry that was a wide-ranging question but why that is and then maybe how you actually address like the some of these myths in the book yeah so so um i think just natural some anything it's just human nature anything that you don't understand we, we fear for it, right? We, we, we're just, you know, not quite sure. And Bitcoin, very honestly, is very complex, right? I, I you know, reading the white paper, reading the uh, software code, that's not going to help you understand Bitcoin. That really isn't. I think fundamentally, you need to understand how it's used. Why, why, why is sovereignty important? Owning your own money. Why, why is that important? Um, so, so for most people, they, they, you know, they hear Bitcoin, they say they see in the news, oh, Bitcoin's been used in a crime, or the thieves and a lot of uh, hackers steal Bitcoin, or they ask for Bitcoin for ransom, right? Ransomware or, or whatever. So so it does get sort of um, looped in with all of all the illicit activities, whether it's early days, you know, the Silk Road activities, payments in, in Bitcoin, or or today a lot of ransomware. I remember uh, 2017, uh, there's a WannaCry, uh, that whole virus slash uh, malware, the WannaCry ransomware stuff. And that was in the spring of 2017. And that was so big. A lot of computer systems got frozen up, got locked up and asked for ransomware and Bitcoin. That was so big that I can tell you firsthand, the Chinese government got uh, got worried, right? It actually, that whole incident actually negative impacted the regulatory situation in China, um, and I was on the losing side of that uh, of that battle. Uh, we had to close down our exchange at the, in late 2017. But hey, that was because guess of what? WannaCry. Oh well, not because, but I think I'm sure many. To it. the regulators were like, "Oh my gosh, we, we probably can't legitimize Bitcoin crypto exchanges because look at this; it's all tied up in ransomware and stuff like that." And they got worried, and it. But but at the same time, well, what happened in 2017? 2017 became one of the biggest bull market years, right? It just goes to show that that when people are worried about it, it doesn't it doesn't dismiss and cause the price or value of Bitcoin to go down. Rather, what happened that year was quite the opposite, right? So that's why. And one more thing I tell people is, uh, you never hear stories about thieves and cyber criminals stealing airline miles. Or hotel reward points. Right, think about it. We all we all fly airlines and collect these airline miles and go to hotels and reward points. You never hear about hacking and thievery of hotel reward points. Why? Because they're not very valuable. They're centralized. You know, you can't really steal it. You know, and for something that you can't really steal, is that a good thing? For the, for the new person, oh yeah, it's good. It's really safe. They can't steal my airline miles, but it's not worth stealing. Who wants to come into your account and steal your airline miles? It's not worth stealing. The reason thieves, cyber criminals go after Bitcoin is because Bitcoin is really valuable. It's got this uh, feature where 
you can't reverse a transaction, right? It's a good feature. People use it. People like it. You know, my my uh, when I receive Bitcoin as payment for for giving speeches, and I do pay taxes on all of that, by the way. Um, th- the transaction cannot be reversed, right? That's a good feature. Um, so so that's why that's why uh, just because criminals involved doesn't mean that it's a bad thing. Like the U.S. dollar, look at gold. Over 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 human history, over the centuries, there's been multiple. There's been so much theft of gold. Gold bars, gold coins, silver, right? That's and there's the been a lot of, of heists. Yeah, that, that's the history it, of the world. And same with money, the, right? Yeah. Stealing gold. <laughs> stealing gold, right? Uh, it's it's yeah. So my, my point is, I mean, we see we see them in cartoons from a very young age. I think for the next generation, they'll have cartoons about thieves stealing Bitcoin, right? That'll be the equivalent. But the point is, just because thieves steal it doesn't make it bad, right? I mean, the U.S. dollar. There's there's bank robberies. There's uh, there's identity theft. It's all about stealing U.S. dollars, right? So does it make the U.S. dollar bad? No, it doesn't. It's just U.S. dollar is just good money for society, and so is Bitcoin. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, yeah. hey, criminals like it because it works. Exactly. It works. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and criminals like cash dollar bills because they work. Hundred dollars exactly. work really freaking well. They're very liquid. They're relatively fungible. Like they work at storing, transferring value. Are you going to ban dollars? Exactly. No. I yeah. mean, actually, they're, they're trying to. They're trying to put you inside their closed box. They're <laughs> trying to put you in, 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 in an account where they can charge you 0% negative interest rates. Yeah. And by the way, what the interest rate they give you is, is this. Uh, I, I see this on the news. They say, oh, yeah, gold is bad because it doesn't pay a yield. There's no, it doesn't give you interest. Whereas money is good. Fiat money is good because it gives you an interest rate. I'm like, Dude, that's that's such faulty logic, right? It, it, the reason money pays you interest is because they can print more of it. it it's fake. It, it's it's really fake, right? And the reason Bitcoin you can't get interest on big on real Bitcoin is because you have a permanent share of the total supply of Bitcoin, right? You will never get diluted, right? That's why that's why another more advanced topic is uh, I I'm a, I'm not a fan of of Bitcoin sites that give uh, wallets that give interest. I think that's a that's a savings and loans debacle that's going to go go bust. So uh, I would advise people, you know, if you if you're going to own Bitcoin, you should you should hold on to your own Bitcoin, uh, have control of your private keys, but do not, you know, upload it to a platform where um, where they uh, essentially loan it out to risky for risky projects and pay you interest. I think that's very shady. Myself, yeah, I think that's very shady. Yeah, I mean, and I I don't know if we want to dive into GBTC or any of that stuff, but you know, we're seeing a lot of these companies that are involved in loaning out Bitcoin, uh, playing with Bitcoin derivative products. They're starting to get caught in traps, and you there's no bailouts in Bitcoin. That's the thing yeah, exactly, that people don't exactly. get is there are no bailouts in Bitcoin, and uh, it you know. Do you risk losing your entire stash for five percent? Do you risk losing your entire oh, yeah, stash yeah, for six exactly. percent? Yeah. Like let me, let me ask talk about Ma- Mount Gox holders, like what that exactly, feels like. Yeah, jump exactly. into it. I think let me talk about this. This is uh this is this topic is more for advanced people, more for advanced Bitcoin hodlers. So my point is the message is for you, right? I, I own Bitcoin because I want to be greedy for the long-term appreciation of the value of Bitcoin. I don't want to be greedy for the short-term five percent, six percent, one or two percent, or even ten percent return on that Bitcoin. If I want a five, ten percent return, I'll put that in fiat. So just just pick your greed, right? Don't you can't have it both ways. 
you can't basically the the fiat money you can get five whatever percent return uh, by loaning it out to to do business projects and so on. Uh, but that's fiat money. With by the time we return it to you, what's the value of that money for Bitcoin? My, my thesis is if you're going to own Bitcoin, a hodl Bitcoin, you should hodl it really strongly, but don't lend it out. Because if you lend it out, you're taking two risks. You're taking both the Bitcoin risk itself and also the the sort of lending risk of of whether that project will succeed and pay you back. So there, there's there's no free lunch there. I can I can assure you, many people are going to get hurt. I think whether you know people who who have been around long enough know about MT Cox. Um, it, more and more exchanges will get hacked every year, every month. Their exchanges, centralized exchanges, getting hacked. So this is this is it's very scary. People should really read some history uh, books about Bitcoin and know that uh, do not put your Bitcoins on a custodial storage platform. Yeah, no, I think I think that that is is pretty safe to say that holding your own keys is ideal. Generating your own keys in ways that you understand is uh, is key there. And honestly, that's the beautiful thing about Bitcoin is it distributes everything to the like all the value to individual holders. It eliminates those honeypots. Um, and I mean. It, I, I truly believe it's a foundation for building the future, right? Uh, and yeah. I think that that's ex- that's exactly what the book is about. Yeah, exactly. So, Bobby, we this was a great interview. I loved uh, getting to talk to uh, you know Bitcoin legend and OG uh, like yourself. Um, Want to give you a chance to uh, give the Bitcoin Magazine audience your last word? Yeah, sure. So, so the book is called "The Promise of Bitcoin." Uh, you can buy it on Amazon.com. Uh, it's both in hardcover edition as well as Kindle edition. You can get the ebook version from Amazon. Uh, you can also get it at all the all your favorite book resellers all around the country. Uh, I even sell it on my own site, bobbylee.com. We sell it as a package deal with our ballet wallets. And um, and this summer, there's going to be an audiobook version coming out. My publisher just told me, uh, I'm very happy to hear that they, they've agreed to do an audiobook version. So that's going to come in in the summertime, I hope. And then there's going to be a few translations as well as internationally. So we'll see uh, we'll see which publishers pick that up. Uh, follow me on Twitter, Bobby C. Lee. And uh, my blog, my personal blog is at bobbylee.com. Um, so thank you for, for your time, CK. Thank you for the opportunity to be on the podcast. And I hope you guys, uh, if you like the book, please write a review. Please go to amazon.com and, and give, give me a review. Give me some feedback. I'd love to hear back from all of you. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Bobby. Uh, Everyone out there, go check out the book. Share that Bitcoin knowledge. I love it's going to be on the bookshelves. And uh, yeah, go follow me on Twitter at CK underscore Snarks. Go follow Bitcoin Magazine. Of course, we are sharing Bitcoin knowledge every single day. That's what we do. Uh, Give us those five-star reviews so we can keep doing it to a bigger and bigger audience. Peace. A quick reminder that all of the content in this episode is for informational and entertainment purposes only. You should not construe the information as legal, tax, investment, financial, or any other advice. Nothing contained in this presentation constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, or offer by BTC Media, the Let's Talk Bitcoin Podcast Network, or any third-party service provider to buy or sell securities or any other financial instruments. Do your own research.